Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are those who make peace. They will be called children of God. Good morning to you all. It is my privilege to be with you this morning. My name is Mandy Nelson, and I will be hopefully leading us into a plunge of a very exciting passage of Scripture. Now, a little bit about myself. I'm a teacher by trade, and I love to ask questions. So, heads up, players. I'm going to be throwing some questions out there, and regardless of your age, I would love to have your input when I throw those questions out. Another piece of information about myself that might be helpful for you is I'm a little bit of a Hebrew and Greek nerd. What that means is, during the course of the message today, I'm going to take a, just a little bit of time here and there to explore what some of the words in the passage mean in the original language that they were written in. Today's passage is going to be 2 Kings 6, verses 8 through 23. So that's from the Old Testament. The Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew, so I will be predominantly geeking out on a couple of really fun Hebrew word meanings. What I'd like to do is just start off by giving you a little bit of context for the scene that we're going to be diving into. This story takes place in the 800s BC or BCE. That means we're talking 800 years before Jesus popped onto the scene. So we're going back a ways for this. There's also another piece of information that I think would be helpful for you, and that is at this point in the story of the Bible, the 12 tribes of Israel have gone into the promised land, but now have divided into the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Israel, which is called Judah. There's going to be reference to a town called Samaria. And when I mention Samaria, what might be helpful for you to know is that that is the capital city of the northern kingdom of Israel. So it's Israelite territory. We're also going to have some players on the scene called the Arameans. They are from Aram, or what is other words known as Syria in the story. And other than that, you don't really need to know a whole lot. So let's just jump right into this. I would encourage you, pay attention to the concept of seeing. It's really big in the story. And I don't just mean like, I can see this young gentleman in the gray shirt in the front row. And I can see this lady over here in the yellow and white shirt. I'm talking about seeing into the supernatural realm because that pops up in the story also. We're going to have a main character named Elisha. How many of you have heard of Elisha from other Bible stories? Okay, so a good deal of you are familiar with him. He's a prophet to the land of Israel. That means he hears the voice of God. Can you imagine just literally like hearing the voice of God on a very regular basis and then going to the leaders of the country, in this case the king of Israel, and saying, hey, God has a word for you. Well, that's what Elisha does. He does a lot of miracles, too, that show God's power. So 2 Kings 6, 8 through 23. Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp at such and such a place. The man of God, Elisha, sent word to the king of Israel 
beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God, Elisha. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, tell me, which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord, the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha, the prophet who's in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Go, find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back. He's in Dothan. So he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God, Elisha, got up and went out early the next morning, well, what did he see? An army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, Strike this army with blindness. So the Lord struck them with blindness, as Elisha had asked. Elisha told them, This is not the road, and this is not the city. Follow me, and I will lead you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to Samaria. After they entered the city, Elisha said, Lord... Open the eyes of these men so they can see. And then the Lord opened their eyes and they looked and there they were inside Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elisha, shall I kill them, my father? Shall I kill them? Do not kill them, he answered. Would you kill those you've captured with your own sword or bow? Set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. So he, the king of Israel, prepared a great feast for them. And after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away and they returned to their master. So the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. I love this story. I don't know about you. I don't know if you've heard it before. If you haven't, welcome to one of my favorites. I mean, for me, it's not every day I open my eyes and I see this crazy army of God with fiery horses and chariots all around me. But that'd be really cool if I did see that regularly. Maybe someday. 
The verse that was read earlier, Matthew 5, verse 9, talks about being a peacemaker. I like this story because Elisha the prophet brings peace to a very tense situation. But he does so by calling on the presence of God in some pretty creative ways. So let's geek out a little bit on some of the words in this story and then tease out all the nuances, or at least some of the nuances of what's going on in this story. Now, little snippet for you of information related to Bible study. The Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew. The New Testament was originally written in Greek. Specifically, we're zooming in on Hebrew today. In the Hebrew language, names of places and people mean something most of the time. So I want to give you a little bit of an example. I'm going to ask for a few volunteers to share their name as well as the meaning of their name. If you're like, oh, I forgot what my name means. No worries. But I'm looking specifically for a few people who can say, here's my name. Here's what it means. Yeah. Serafina. Yes, it does. Serafina means angel. Yeah. Mary, living fragrance. Excellent example. Yes. Anya, grace. Last one here. Olivia means peace. Thank you. If we spoke Hebrew, we would literally hear the meanings of characters' names when they enter the story. See, when when Hebrew was translated into English in the Bible, we got the way you'd kind of say the name but we didn't get the meaning. So I'm gonna use Olivia's name for an example. If we were reading in Hebrew and hearing Olivia's name and its meaning in Hebrew, so to speak, we would say, Grace, right? Grace walked into the room. Grace sat down. Grace took a deep breath. Catch the feel of things? It's a little different what's going on in the story. It's like there's grace in this story all of a sudden. Well, similarly, the name Elisha means something. He's one of our big players in the story, right? His name is made up of two Hebrew words, El plus Yasha. Just because we can. Would you all be willing to humor me and say, El plus Yasha? Yasha. There you go. You got it. And you can kind of catch on why the translators then just said, Elisha, Elisha, right? Kind of put it all together like that. It means God is salvation. God is deliverer. Wait a minute, you mean God is salvation is watching out for everyone? God is salvation is calling for the presence of God? God is salvation is intervening? See how it kind of unfolds the story a little bit more? So God is salvation is our main character. Little fun fact for you, if we take the name Jesus back into its original Hebrew form, it means the Lord is salvation. Isn't that cool? So when Jesus is walking around, it's like, the Lord is salvation walked into town. The Lord is salvation began preaching. The Lord is salvation reached out and healed. Oh my gosh, it just makes so much sense. (laughs) Well, the meaning of Elisha's name and the meaning of Jesus' name are very similar, and they're pointing to the same one true God. So Elisha's going to do something that's pretty Jesus-like 
in this situation. He's going to bring peace, and he is going to bring truth. All right, off we go. Goddess salvation is protecting. He's warning the king of Israel. Heads up. Woo. Literally heads up. Heads up. You don't want to go over there because the king of Aram wants to attack you there. And I want to help keep you safe because God really is watching out for you all. So he gives this warning. And anyone remember how the king of Aram feels about having his plans thwarted? Upset? Angry? What was that? Betrayed. Betrayed, yes. I mean, folks, he's not just a little upset. He's pretty steaming mad. Right? The word that was in the version I read was enraged. This is really fun in the Hebrew. What it literally says is the king of Aram's inner man, his mind, his heart, and his will were storming. No joke. They were storming, raging. This isn't like, I'm a little upset. Why does he keep busting my plans open and telling everybody? <laughs> no, he's, he's like whirlwinding mad. And so he calls in his officers to find out what's going on. Yeah, I feel very betrayed. Which one of you is ratting me out? And lo and behold... This one soldier, I feel a little bit sad for this soldier. It had to be so intimidating to be around a storming master, right? <laughs> oh, no, my lord, none of us, oh, right? And it sneaks up. It's not us. There's this prophet over in Israel. He hears from God. He knows what you say, even in your bedroom. I don't know about you, but I'm thinking, get out of my business, right? <laughs> okay, I got to do something about this prophet. And so he takes action. He decides, I'm sending in SEAL Team 6. This isn't like, I'm sending in the casual security. I'm sending in the big dogs. I'm sending in the Marines. I'm sending in all of the Navy SEALs I have because this prophet, he's onto something, and I don't like it. And so the military moves, and they surround the city. Another question for you. What does it feel like to be surrounded by something you don't want? I'll give you one little example, and then I'm looking for a few others. My husband, Scott, and I love to go camping. I'm going to guess some of you like to go camping as well. There's this one little problem with camping here in Minnesota. Minnesota, we have mosquitoes. <laughs> and there are camping moments when my husband and I have set up our tent, we found a beautiful site, and then as the sun goes down, all those little insect vampires come swarming. <gasps> and we are surrounded by mosquitoes that want to suck our blood. And I will tell you, it's very irritating. It's very overwhelming. So. You needn't give an example that long, but a few instances. What does it feel like to be surrounded by something you don't want? Anyone want to share? Yeah. Unavoidable. Oh, great word. Unavoidable. Horrible. Horrible. Yeah. Stifling. Stifling. Beautiful word choice. Yeah. Trapped. Trapped. 
I don't know about you, but if I woke up and the entire top military force of an enemy territory had surrounded my home, that wouldn't be like a really good feeling. I would think the word horrible and stifling and some of those words would come to mind as well. Now, let's turn the tables a little bit. This one, kids only or teens, what would you like to be surrounded by? Yeah. Chocolate. Amen. <laughs> Chocolate. That's great. Cake. Chocolate and cake. This is a good day. Back there. Go ahead. Donuts. How about way in the back in the, yeah, yellow shirt? Just candy. Just candy. All right. We'll go purple shirt. Ice cream? Candy. All right. I mean, this is like cloudy with a chance of meatballs happening here, right? All kinds of good food surrounding. Okay, over here. Friend. Friends. Yeah. How about friends and cake and candy? <laughs> All right, one more. We'll go right here. Yeah, you. What was that? Another cake? Cupcakes. Oh, yeah, cupcakes. All right, so it would feel very different, wouldn't it? To be surrounded by something you wanted versus something that you didn't want? Well, interestingly enough, Elisha's got both going on. So let's keep reading what happens here. The servant wakes up, finds out that he and Elisha, his master, are completely surrounded, and he's like, what are we going to do? What happens next? And I mean, I love this, and it is kind of maddening at the same time. Elisha says, don't be afraid. Right. Just some thoughts. How would you feel if you're surrounded by the opposite force military troop, and the person with you is like, eh, don't be afraid? Are you like, yeah, I'm with him, I'm with her? What was that? Okay, have you lost your mind, Elisha? <laughs> Open up your eyes. <laughs> we have a major problem outside the front door. Yes. <laughs> yes, more cupcakes. I want more cupcakes. Let's bring that back in. That's good. All right. We'd, we'd wonder what's going on. Why are you so calm? Do you not see what's happening out there? Elisha, no, he's good because he knows what's really going on. So he says, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. You know, and I'm wondering if the servant's like, dude, there are two of us. <laughs> we can run really fast like Flash, but we are not going to make it look like we have a whole army out there. But then Elisha does something. He prays. And that word means to intervene. It's like, ooh, army, hmm. God, and he doesn't say, God, send help. He says, God, would you open the eyes of my servant so he can see what's really happening? Oh, okay, well, yeah, tell us what's really happening, Elisha. Well, the servant's eyes are opened, and he sees that the hills are full of chariots of fire, and horses of fire. Oh. <laughs> and they're on his side. 
It's the army of God. Did you know that there is an army of God? Let me give you a couple verses that will back this up. Luke 2, verses 13 and 14. This is right after the angel has announced the birth of baby Jesus. And some of you might recognize this from Christmas readings. The verses say, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace on those on whom his favor rests. A great company of the heavenly host. Let's geek out in Greek a little. That word host means an army. It means an army. You know what it's rooted in? It's rooted in to make war. Hence, to serve as a soldier. Jesus enters the scene. You better believe the spiritual realm is going to be involved. Like, woo, we got work to do. This is a big invasion of the kingdom of God into fallen humanity. Another verse from Revelation, Revelation 5.11, and this one is really fun, especially if you enjoy math. Do any kids out there enjoy math? All right, way to go. So here we go. This is the Apostle John having a revelation from God. It says, Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Now, I don't know if any of you kids are like, 10,000 times 10,000. It's 100 million angels. If we take that verse literally, it's 100 million angels at least that are on God's side of things. We're not alone. When we face situations that are scary, we have Jesus and his army. And they want to bring light and they want to bring truth and they want to bring peace into the situation. Elisha then prays something interesting. Hey, open my servant's eyes. And I don't know what facial expressions were on the servant's face. <laughs> right? I don't, maybe he passed out. The text doesn't tell us that, but like, oh, right? It's a big deal. And now the Arameans are coming down to capture Elisha. Mind you, they probably cannot see that heavenly army out there. Elisha prays again. God, please strike them. Strike this army of Arameans with blindness. And God does. What would that have been like? Uh, oh, I can't, where am I, what's going on? Where are we? And then Elisha goes up to them. And it sounds, frankly, I think a little bit like a Jedi mind trick. This is not the way. This is not the road. I'll take you to the person you're looking for. And he leads the Aramean soldiers into Samaria, the heart of the Israelite territory. So if you're an Aramean soldier, you have just been blinded and led into the heart of enemy territory. And then God prays, I'm sorry, then Elisha prays, God, will you open their eyes now? Mm -hmm. Oh, we are in the middle of an Israelite city. This is not good, not the plan. What could Elisha have asked God to do to those Arameans? 
kill him? Send him home? Just turn him around? Send him home, maybe? I mean, he could have asked anything. He asks them things very cleverly. God closed their seeing. God opened their seeing. And then the king of Israel, I love this, he gets a little bit uh, trigger happy, shall we say? <laughs> shall I kill him? Shall I kill him? <laughs> no, don't kill them. Give them food, give them water. And to the credit of the king of Israel, he does. He actually prepares a feast. All right, adults, let's do adults only on this one. What would you serve at a feast? And then I'll open it up to kids. Oh, come on, adults. Surely I'm not the only adult who likes a feast. Lamb, Lamb, prime rib. What was it? Cupcakes. Cupcakes. Yeah. (laughs) That's right. Kids, chime in. Steak. Ooh, yeah. All right, bacon wrapped steak. This is going to make me start salivating over there. Christmas fudge. Ooh, I might have to hunt some of that down. Up here. Mashed potatoes, yes. All right, one more. Little guy standing up. Mac and cheese, cheese. great thing, great thing. All right. Over there, yeah, we'll take you too. Chocolate, yes, chocolate. We got to have chocolate again. All right. Okay. I would love to hear all of them. Unfortunately, we don't have time to hear all of the things that we'd like served at feast. Now, it's one thing to go to Thanksgiving feast. It's one thing to go to a wedding feast. Can you imagine if someone you thought was your enemy prepared a feast for you? You, Seraphine, will you say that again? Because that's a very profound point. Do you realize, she said, for those of you who couldn't hear, I wouldn't think of them as my enemy anymore. I would think of them as my friends because they're helping me. I think you just took us to the heart of the story, Serafina. If Elisha had just asked them to be killed, they'd be off the scene. If Elisha had sent them home without leading them to Samaria and having a feast prepared for them, they probably wouldn't realize that Elisha was actually offering them an opportunity to see things a little differently. Elisha knows how to bring peace by using the power of God to show a jarring kindness, an incredible mercy, great grace to these enemies. See, I think there's an invitation for all of us in this. First of all, for me, when I'm scared, I want to remember I'm not alone. I'll tell you a very brief personal story. A number of years ago, I had a lot of dreams. I think they were dreams from God. And in those dreams, great darkness was approaching me. But when I would call on the name of Jesus, and say, Jesus, I bring you into this situation. I need your help. In my dreams, the darkness would go away. One time I started singing a song I've never sung in my life, and I had a sword in my hands. That's a pretty cool dream. I felt like God was training me for something. So then 
One day, when I was awake, and my husband and I were at a very fancy art fair, looking at all this artistry, my husband fainted. And it was really scary. Because his eyes were open, but he began falling slowly sideways. And I could feel God's presence rising up in me. Like, you know what to do. You've been trained for this moment. And I said, you, please call 911. You, my husband needs water. I'm going to be here praying. So out loud, in the middle of this crowd of people, I start proclaiming the name of Jesus. Jesus, you are here. Jesus, you are protecting my husband. Jesus, you love him. You are the one who saves. You are the deliverer. I proclaim healing over my husband in your name. And my husband, he came too. The ambulance showed up. They took us to the hospital just to make sure everything was okay. They ran the tests. Everything was fine. And I was like, you know, after all of that. <laughs> but I felt God say, Mandy, trust that when you call on me in scary situations, I will be there. You are not alone. I can bring peace even into the midst of this chaos. Now, I did have to do one thing for sure, and that was get over looking like a fool. I don't know about you, but it's not every day I go to a big public event and then I'm like, oh, in the name of Jesus, I proclaim healing. Guard my husband. I mean, like, people started gathering, folks. <laughs> but Scott was safe. Scott was healthy. And I wonder if some of those people started wondering, what's up with this Jesus thing? Do you ever wonder what happened to these Aramean soldiers when they got sent home? <laughs> Man, that was really good prime rib. <sighs> what are we going to tell the king of Aram? <laughs> I don't know, you tell him something. <laughs> Do you ever wonder if perhaps, just perhaps they started thinking twice about the God of Israel? Who are these Israelites? Who is their God? That he would lead them to this incredible kindness and mercy towards us. We came to capture this guy. And he and his king and all the people, they treated us kindly. I wonder if we're going to see some of them in heaven someday. I wonder if they started musing, I think that God of Israel is the only real God. I think that's the one true God. I think I want to serve that God. My hope is that we can be people who see things from God's perspective. I'd love to see the chariots of fire and the horses of fire from God's army. I haven't yet. Maybe someday I will. But I know that God's army is there. I know his angels are watching out, looking for ways to jump in and help in the situation. I know God wants to empower me and empower us to go to tense situations and bring peace. And listen, we don't have to be surrounded by an army to be in a tense situation. <laughs> it could be at work. It could be with your neighbors. It could be with a friend or a family member. One of my prayers has been, God, help me to see clearly. 
and see someone who I might think is an enemy, how you see them. You see them as a potential ally. You see them as a potential friend. That's how I want to see things.